And welcome everybody to the Elmore Leonard's uh, podcast where uh, we break down and celebrate all things Elmore Leonard. Uh, joined here, I'm Al. I'm Ken. I'm Drew. That's right, father and sons uh, throwing down on the podcast world. Uh, today's episode, we covered the 2012 film Freaky Deaky, uh, directed by Charles Mathau, son of Walter Mathau. Uh, it was filmed in Detroit because in 2012, the Michigan film credit um, tax incentive was at full steam. Um, so we actually uh, will do a little segment at the end where it's called uh, Name That IA, uh, where we can recognize some of the names of people that worked on this film. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, what'd y'all think about this this film? Just broad strokes. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked that it was uh, separate into chapters. And it was, uh, yeah. I, I liked that the segmenting of it. And uh, Charlie Mathau is also the writer. Uh, he did the uh, the screenplay adaptation mm -hmm. from the book. Right, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. Um, I feel like he has a love of that, of Elmore, uh, based on how he made the, the film. Um, I think, again, I'll, I'll just kind of, echo my thoughts from life of crime in that it's a comedy first and then all the trappings of, of, of Detroit and drug dealers and con artists and rich people and all this stuff and, and plot twists. Those are like the trappings of a Elmore Leonard film, but at the core of it, it's laugh out loud, hilarious and over the top goofy. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could have took it. He could have took it. The filmmaker, Charles mm -hmm. Mathau, mm -hmm. could have took it a little bit different way uh, and made it like a little less over the top. Yeah. And it might have been better. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, you were saying, you remember reading the book and thinking it was amazing. Yeah. I yeah. thought the book was terrific. And yeah. the movie was sad was, to say. Yeah, pretty okay. You know, <laughs> uh, not as good as the book. Uh, but that that's that holds true for Elmore Leonard. He is not an easy guy to translate to film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and I think mostly it's when they get away from him. Yeah. Uh, if you if you notice, well, I have to say, uh, Freaky Deaky, it had a lot of the dialogue, a lot of yeah. his what he is known for yeah. and what he is best at. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a lot of it in there, mm -hmm. but. I think he ruined the movie with the, uh, what's his name there? The, the Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. I, you know, I mean, if he had to just take 10% off. Yeah. <laughs> take it know. down, Crispin. Come on, you know. And, I don't think and, he can do that. And Andy Dick. I mean, I, he was like not even there. Right. Uh, you know. There was probably a lot of cocaine on set. It was, it was 2012. Everyone was sad from the recession. Um, Andy Dick and Crispin Glover as brothers makes total sense in real life. Yeah. But yeah, they, they can't take it down. They can't do anything other than just <laughs> do their weird stuff. Right. And I, I'll say my thought on Crispin Glover's character is the same thought that I have of Jared Leto in Blade Runner 2049 in that there's no acting happening. They just, they follow Gerald. Jared Leto into his weird 
like penthouse and just pressed record and let him speak all his weird stuff. Same thing with Crispin Glover. They they just sat him next to whoever. Yeah, well, was yeah. On set. when he was in the pool, I thought, you know, he said, yeah, wouldn't it be neat if I was in the pool? Yeah. You know, and he went. Yeah. Okay, keep rolling. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are some Easter eggs in here. Did y'all notice Skip? Uh, Christian Slater's character is his name. Mm -hmm. Skip. His name is Skip. Skippy or whatever. He's on the payphone. In the background is a marquee for right. front page Jack yeah. Lemon and Walter Matthau Walter movie Matthau. in 1974. Yeah. Um. What? Right. Uh. This is another 1970s Detroit. Um. Era. 1974 yeah. is yep. the. So. Um. Yeah. Sometimes they'll try to modernize it and just do. Right. Everything now to save on. He, uh, Mathau wanted to do it. it. It actually takes place in the 80s in the book. Okay. But he made it a 70s. Okay. Uh, Probably from what I was saying with uh, Michael J. White, his character is playing off of his, his role in Black Dynamite. Have you seen that movie, Drew? No, just uh, the previews and heard, heard things about it. Right, so it was like a modern um, take on black exploitation. Not a modern take. It was, I'm saying, it's a modern movie, but it's a complete spoof black exploitation film starring Michael J. White, and it's over the top. And uh, I think his character—he's just continuing that. Um, the women, uh, Robin and um, Greta. Greta, right. Greta or right. Ginger. <laughs> right, Ginger, yeah. Um, they come from a entourage lineage. <laughs> like uh, Robin's uh, married to Turtle in real life. Yeah, that's right. I remember seeing that. <laughs> and uh, Greta, I think, was on a few episodes of Entourage, but that's kind of what they did. And that she, in real life, she's married to a bro country singer, Ty Rich. Mm. I think they just got married because when I went to look up what she was up to, I just saw a bunch of Twitter feeds from her honeymoon, which were God awful. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was another marquee. It wasn't just the Jack Lemmon the, Walter. The Mandel. front page one. What, uh, what else did you see? Uh, what was it? I, I should have wrote it down. <laughs> write it, down. Uh, it was later and it said, see, the first one said Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. The next one, I think, just said Walter Matthau. And it was, a, it was, I don't know, it was another, another movie. Yeah, it was a, 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 a different did. movie. But once again, he put his, his a dad. reference to his dad. Yeah. Which, if you look, like, he's only directed, like, maybe six films. Right. Most of them are with his dad. Apparently, he has some money. Okay. Because I, I noticed when I looked him up, he had optioned. Right now he's optioned uh, some, and it was it was weird too because it was like freaky deaky, but it was the freaky deaky in cars or something. It was freaky deaky <laughs> plus something else. Whoops, that made it uh, that made it different, huh? But it still had that <laughs> weird, and he had optioned it uh, for. Uh, for like six episodes, it had it was a a series of books. That's what it was. Okay, series of books, and uh, 
and he had optioned them all six. Okay. And he was working on that and he was working on something else that he'd optioned. Mm. Uh, like it. Um, I do like uh, dad in Florida. It's a nice touch. A very Michigan thing. Like my dad's in Florida, so I'm going to take his car. Although it, yeah. it's, it's the summertime. Yeah. So. Yeah. What's he doing down there? Yeah. He's got to be, he's got to be burning up. Do you rem remember when they made it so police officers could live outside the city limits where they're working? Oh, yeah. Uh, it wasn't until the 90s, I believe. Okay. Because I think it was about the same time here. Okay. Uh, they were all living out of the city. They all just had a <laughs> Right, so yeah. yeah. They'd go in together and buy a house and, uh, and make that their address. Right. So they were all cheating on that. Right, so yeah. So they yeah, came yeah. to the conclusion that there was no point. All right. That but it sense. is a good idea to have your police and fire department yeah live in it yeah in it's a place. good idea but you also don't want to now you're forcing people to live where they want to where they don't want to live right and then that disdain starts to <laughs> fester right <laughs> um said uh i'd uh i have a minor in criminal justice and that was one of the things we talked about was a like the idea of like community policing of having on your on your beat or your patrol area being familiar yeah. with you know, what cars are typically parked on the street, who's right. usually walking around this time of day, just to like, you know, it helps kind of know, kind of helps you identify what looks out of place or like right. be engaged with the community and be not just there for policing presence, but like being a part of the community helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure, getting to know. And like being seen as like a, a member of the community instead of just a policeman that shows up, you know, you know, looking to bust someone, but being a resource as well for good. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought Greta was playing them the whole time. Uh, I had that in the back of my head. Like she was actually the one behind all the, um, the, all the all the money that they were trying to get for some reason i had it in my head like she's just playing it so right uh helpless that i really thought she was gonna um she was gonna be the one that was actually pulling all the strands um, i mean i think that's the, that's the easy jump with uh with how like film noir they were going and the smooth saxophone and the damsel in distress like there's always some other layer when in those kind of detective stories mm-hmm Or like what was the one with Jennifer Lawrence, American Hustle, with uh, Bradley Cooper and um, B Coops. Yeah, it was like a, they fooled the FBI into helping him. Anyway, it's a side. Oh, note. nice. Um, but Dad, you were you were talking about the movie Thick as Thieves, right? Where you thought it would it was an Elmore Leonard. I did when I watched it. I said, man, was this written by Elmore Leonard? Yeah. Because it had that blend of crime and comedy. Yeah. Mixed in. Takes place in Detroit. Takes place in Detroit. He comes from Chicago, comes to yeah. Detroit, and it's a he's he's being set up, Alec Baldwin is, uh, by uh Michael J. Uh, White. White. Yeah. And uh Andre Brogger. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and a couple of Detroit cops. Yeah, and that, and of course it goes awry somehow. Uh, I don't remember exactly how, but but he uh, he gets out of it. Yeah, and he has a dog in the movie. Uh, Alec Baldwin does cute little dog, mm -hmm. and they kill his dog. And in a movie, and you kill a guy's dog. Yeah, John Wick. He's coming right. after you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's what Alec Baldwin does. Yeah, he gets he goes back to Chicago. Gets a couple of guys that he works with all the time, and they come back to Detroit. Okay, and they make it so. <laughs> Michael J. White is bad. Yeah, bad. Well, uh, well, I got something here. The director of Thick as Thieves, Scott Sanders, is the writer and director of Black Dynamite. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Michael got that job that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a song in here called Doing the Freaky Deaky. Oh, no kidding. Lyrics by Charles Mathow. Oh. It's when, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's when, uh, Donnell and Robin are making their plans at the bar and there's like a soul band that, uh. th that was written by, <laughs> the music was written by the guy that did the score. Right. Lyrics by, by Charles wow. Mathow. Doing the freaky. That's thing. great. And I think they use uh, a lot of ADR in this on purpose to give it that sort of 70s vibe. Mm. I really think he was he was shooting for a, a type of black exploitation. Yeah. Sounds like, well, that make fun of, you know. Right. Um I like first how first time with so, go ahead. Um, yeah, with uh, Chris, you know, showing up to a you know bomb squad call, and it's uh, kind of like the how Lethal Weapon, I think it was two starts, was uh, Riggs is stuck on the toilet and the bomb. Yeah. In the case, it's just like a chair <laughs> in his living room. Except it doesn't like you think like oh okay he's you know establishes his know how with bomb defusal, but instead he just leaves. You show then, him that he yeah, it just blows up. But I like. Um, they do it often throughout this movie. They edit, they cut just after the punchline. They almost clip the punchline, but I like it because like there's there's no dialogue for the punchline. It's just like usually an action or a final line, but then they just like cut and go, all right, next scene. Like the guy got blown up, <laughs> moving on. But yeah. No, that, that's a good introduction to the like to show you what type of copy is, which is usually like a pretty apathetic one. And then they even give you like a little bit of uh, exposition where it's like, um, so your wife finally got you off the bomb squad going into sex crimes. And then right. you find out she left them anyways. So um, it was interesting. Um, a few things in the credits. It was filmed at the Hawthorne Suites in Warren and at the Weston Book Cadillac. Yeah. Did you ever work at the Weston, Drew, like car show? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few times uh, working uh, for the Mercedes booth. We yeah. Did, uh, satellite look. Every year. We went over there. Yeah, we, we followed Mercedes to the book. Yeah. Um, it Also, because it's... During the time of the film credits for the state of Michigan, and Rick Snyder is the governor, mm -hmm. he gets a thank you in the credits. Yeah. 
So thank you, Rick Snyder, for yeah. for making this he's a, film. He's also the guy that ended the film credit. Yeah. Uh, and we can play a segment now called uh, Spot the IA Worker in the Credits. Mm -hmm. At Best Boy, I'm guessing, I, th I think it's for grip. Grips. Yeah, he was a grip. Best Boy Grip, John Wendling, yeah. who was at Dad's um, retirement ceremony. Yeah, I've known him for a long time. Musician as well, he's guitar always player. A, yeah, he's always, he's always been a great guy. And uh, a couple of times when he was on gigs, that came up here to either make commercials or mm -hmm. or do something in in grip work mm -hmm. uh if they needed help he would call me and say here we need to hire this guy then nice. we need to hire somebody let's hire him yeah and let's leave this guy at home and and hire them when we get up there yeah and another time he came they needed a ladder <laughs> big tall ladder I, and yeah. they called me at the whiting and said yeah i got a big tall ladder yeah and they put me on there you go. So that was good. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Joe Parisi. Yeah, <laughs> Joe the Catholic. Yeah, and it's uh, P A R I S E. Uh, and uh, he was a guy that worked at uh, oh, I can't think of the name of big time commercial studio okay. that made commercials in in Detroit, okay. and he got laid off from there, and the local stepped in and took care of him, right. got him. Right. Got him a pension and all that good stuff because he had worked uh, long and hard. And Chris Ritter, he was an electrician. Right, Both Chris Ritter. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. He's a uh, one of their uh, the bosses. I worked with him. He was one of the housemen or stewards mm -hmm. uh, at uh, when we did the GM show in the Renaissance parking lot of the Renaissance yeah. Center in the the Quonset Hut tent. Yeah, uh, Chris Ritter was was one of our. Okay. You know, he said, okay, come in tomorrow at whatever. Yeah. 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 No, that was, that was a good uh, guy. night shift. Yeah. We worked, it was like 9 p.m. show up. Yeah. Till, I don't know, we'd leave four or five in the morning. Yeah. Come back the next day. <laughs> Sweet. Um, where was I going next? I was going to do something else. Oh, um, in there, talking about the will. So, and Andy Dick's character and Crispin Glover's, right. they, their parents die and leave, you know, however, all the money to Andy Dick's. And now he's putting on mu musicals and he bought a theater in Pontiac. Hmm. What, what theater comes to mind? Wow. I mean, it, it could just be completely made up, but I was trying to picture what that would be. Not the Silver Dome, but that's, you know, possibility. I, that's funny, you know. I I never worked in in Pontiac except at the Silverdome. Okay. And of course, I never worked at the Palace, which is really Pontiac. It's Auburn sure. Hills, yeah, but Auburn, that's a yeah. suburb of Pontiac. Yeah. And uh, so I have to say, I don't, you know, I don't know any of those theaters there. As like a concert goer, I've been to what's now called the Crowfoot. It was right. called Clutch Cargos before, yeah. and before that, I, it was a church. I've heard a lot of names of music venues from Chris. Okay. Because he used to take a crew in. Oh, yeah. You know, all over the Shout out to Chris Everson. Yes, yeah, Chris Everson. Uh, 
And the, I remember him talking about, you know, so-and-so's place. You know, you had these steps. You had to carry everything up steps and all that. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm glad I wasn't scab. <laughs> that could be tough. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else uh, we got to say about this? 1974 Detroit. Freaky Deaky. Christian Slater playing. I think that is kind of an Elmore thing. He's got a Southerner character. He's got a Southern character. Um, there's some throwbacks to heavy drug use in prior decades that they're, they're all falling back on. I mean, Christian Slater's character is pretty much doing acid the entire time right. or whatever. Right, which I thought, wow, that's, you know, you never hear about anybody doing acid now. <laughs> and uh, and just a short, just in a month, I got two references to acid. Uh, Freaky Deaky and uh, uh, the man in the high castle. Oh, really? Uh, the germs actually okay. invented LSD. So they have him... In that movie, of course, it's a retro thing where the Germans won the war. Yeah. So they're giving LSD to people to interrogate. Right. Yeah. It was a truth serum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because that comes up in, what was the long movie with Matt Damon? The Good Shepherd? All like right. The birth of the CIA. Yeah. And they right. gave a guy LSD. And he ends up just throwing himself out a window. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> backfires. The problem with the, how they did it then is they didn't tell you. So you yeah. thought you were just going crazy <laughs> and threw yourself out a window. Yeah. Fun times. I really like the, uh, the music and the soundtrack. A lot of the organ, the, the piano and the saxophone. And yeah. then when they, uh, when he's um, right after the bomb explodes or they're talking about the dynamite, they have the sound, the, the song going 99 pounds of dynamite by Buddy Stewart. And I, I always, I have a thing for explained music and movies. I like that you, when they turn on the car, the music starts. Not there's music while they're walking up to the car, but like the car radio is like, I like knowing where the source of the music is in any given scene. And like yeah. when, you know, they roll up the windows, the, it gets quiet a little and they turn off the car, the music stops. So I always, I always get a kick out of when movies can do that. For sure. Um, yeah, they stuck pretty, it was pretty, um, you know, whether it was music composed or they actually took like a sample of, of an actual song, they kept it pretty period friendly. And um, fairly tongue in cheek, like the, having the, the title of the song being 99 Pounds of Dynamite when they're talking about, you know, dynamites used throughout the movie. It's just, uh, I was like, quite the, cool. Any other uh, thoughts on this film before we wrap? Oh, I like uh, when the when the limo explodes. It was one of those edits I talked about where they 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 cut immediately and it goes to Chris Munkowski's character and he's like something's on fire in the pan. I I like that uh, that transition. It just adds some some dark humor. For and sure. uh, I like the cereal that um, Crispin Glover eats uh, every morning. Groovy <laughs> berries. berries. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. And the variety um, of the phones. I like that it's not just like, oh, we got like a deal on like eight of these rotary dial phones. Like, no, everyone has a unique and different phone. Yeah. You know, there was definitely a lot of prop work happening here. Yeah. They, they had to dive deep. I know they and had there was prop builders in the credits. So, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can 3D print anything now. 
I felt there was two kind of a uh, winks or like references to Big Lebowski when uh, when Chris Munkowski is shooting at uh, Juicy Mouth, who's pretending to be invisible in the car. He shoots <laughs> the, the car windshield like five times. And then he's like, yo, I met, you know, messed up your car. He says, oh, that's not my car. It just reminds me of Big Lebowski. John Goodman's beat on the car. He's like, no, that's not yeah. my car. Actually, I have that here, uh, pretending to be invisible. It's, that was really yeah, good. Was, and then the, the music um, at the very end, there was um, music that was also in the Big Lebowski. The, um, when they're doing the pool and all the papers like burned up and like slowly floating. It's the same like operatic music when um, the the rich Lebowski is in his is in seclusion. You know, oh, really? Uh, his wife has been kidnapped. It's, it's the same like uh, chorus singing, uh, very dramatic music. It's yeah. the same. <laughs> it got two point eight million in tax incentives from the state that they would otherwise have to pay if they right. were somewhere else. Yeah, and I imagine shooting locations are a lot cheaper to get and acquire in Michigan than it would be anywhere in California or like on a studio or a yeah. renting warehouse in California. Got to be a lot more than renting a abandoned car factory. Than yeah, which isn't even the case anymore. Now it's Atlanta. Yeah, uh, all the guys uh, or a big handful of guys from Detroit moved to Atlanta, and one guy from here. Did you see Mankowski's tattoo when he's after sleeping he with Greta? Several of them on his on both arms and uh, shoulders. I didn't. I couldn't pick out any particular one. The one that just says "Bluesy Ladupe." Hmm. I think that's. It just has a cursive name of "Bluesy Ladupe." Maybe I'm just. I paused it to try to get a look. Maybe it was like a. A stripper that he loved or something mm. <laughs> you think it was real and not part of the story <laughs> no idea i, <laughs> I don't want to ask uh <laughs> billy burke but. oh and i i loved uh, every time chris mankowski and donnell lewis played by michael j white uh interacted it was just they're just their their banter back and forth uh definitely the favorite parts for me for sure yeah where they just yeah. kind of knew each other's for sure New back, yeah. not play around and uh i like like he kept on talking with a uh, sergeant marine downey on the phone uh for the address is like 2550 he's like wait 25550 2515 <laughs> it's like god he's doing this shit on purpose yeah <laughs> <laughs> just that was cracking me up so yeah check it out freaky deaky I think they, the, they get the title in mean, the name. It's, that was another note I took down. The, uh, every now and then you get movies that will have the title be in the line. They say like, "Oh yeah, that's what happens." You get you know freaky deaky on someone's girl. Blah, blah. Like they mention the title in the movie. Yeah, uh, it happens a couple of times because when Robin is uh, at the club with Danell. she says, "Do you freaky deek?" And then they go out and dance, and that's where she. Uh, tells him her plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reeky deek. Cool. All right. I don't have anything else to add to this. This is, I think my thoughts of this went up a little bit. Critics didn't, didn't love it. Yeah. They, it it was, was pretty it was... lukewarm or whatever. Um, I think the first time 
because it was on Netflix. I fell asleep. And it's definitely not one of those that you can take a nap and then wake up and just get the gist of. Yeah. I woke up and I was like, now I have no idea what's going on. And it's it's all over the place. So, um, uh, And then I read that it didn't do well. So I just said, okay, I'm not going to watch that again. But on a, you know, the third viewing, second and a half viewing, um, I mean, I could, I could allow myself to enjoy it for sure. And I like, I could, I could look up the names of people we know yeah. who worked on it. That's fun. There's not, there's not actually, as far as the list of movies we're going to watch, I think that's it. Life of crime and <coughs> freaky deaky fall into the, the tax credit years. It's, it's really a 50, 50 thing, you know, with his, with his books turned into movies mm-hmm. and, it, and you want, it makes you wonder that, you know, if it had been a different filmmaker, would it have turned out okay? Because look at Out of Sight, how good that was. Right. Can Steven Sodenberg or Tarantino do anything? Yeah, I wonder what with that. You know, what could they do? Well, Tarantino, Jackie Brown, has proven himself. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't. <laughs> well, well. Of course, he made the biggest uh, changes, you know, when they move Elmore out of Detroit or South Florida. Mm-hmm. Take him out to California becomes a different, right? A different feel to it because yeah. he's he's the Detroit Boca Raton guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you do that, can you maintain the the spirit of the work? Right, which he kind of he does in Jackie Brown. He does. Yeah. He did a good job on Jackie Brown. Yeah. That that was that was well done. Uh. But then you look at uh, what you call it, uh, uh, one where he's still, well, out of sight. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in, in Bell Glades. He's in Glades Correctional. Yeah. And that really exists. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he stayed. And then they came to Detroit. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, that's the way to make Elmore Leonard. To keep yeah. true to the thing. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed another episode of the Elmore Leonard's Um, like and subscribe. Talk to you soon.